It's our HBCU Football Daily Podcast show for today, Thursday, July the 13th. I'm your host, Donald Ware. We're, we're getting through this thing. I'll tell you what. Um, we wrapped up the CIAA on yesterday with Fayetteville State. And, of course, today we're going to take – we're going to go to the OVC and take a look at Tennessee State. And, and as a matter of fact, uh, joining us momentarily is the head football coach of Tennessee State, Rod Reed, in his eighth season. And I'll tell you what, listen, if you, if you're, if you would be looking at what I'm looking at right now, uh, Tennessee State is loaded, and we're going to talk with Rod Reed about it. Of course, our HBCU Football Daily Podcast is part of our hashtag HBCU125 initiative celebrating 125 years of HBCU football. And we're about halfway through this thing. So continue to listen to the podcast by logging on to our website at box2row.com. If you've missed any of the podcasts, matter of fact, we started back on Monday of June 19th uh, appropriately with Cheney State. You can listen to all of our podcasts by going to our website at box2row.com. Well, without further ado, and you know, we do this ranking of the top 10 HBCU football uh, division one programs in terms of their recruiting classes. And once again, Tennessee State was on top. They had a phenomenal recruiting class. And my next guest, and, and just a little bit of a story. So we've, we, you know, we try to plan these things out and, you, you know, you're sometimes the best laid plans don't always work. And I, I, I called Coach Reed and I said, hey, man, I hate to impose on you at the last minute, but I need you. And guess what? He came through. He's on the line. Coach Reed joins us here on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. How are you, Coach? I'm excellent. What about yourself? Doing really good, man. I know you. I know you were able to kind of get away and get some vac- uh, vacation time in before really get getting back rocking and rolling, right? Yeah, uh, my son played Cooper's, uh, baseball up in Cooperstown this week, so we've been up there all week and had a chance to ride through New York City on the way back down. So that's about as much of a break as I'm gonna get. Uh, you know, at the ballpark all day, every day for a week, and driving you know 14 hours from New York last night. So uh, I'm ready to go. Though it, it, it's football time and. Uh, it's an exciting time of year for us, and we're excited about the upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be too. I mean, this, you know, and, and I know you you like to sort of be uh, optimistic, maybe cautiously optimistic, but let's wrap up last year because this is a team that was was a really good team and some guys you're going to be missing, you know, as the Ezra Robinsons of the world, and the list kind of goes on and on. But you guys were 7-4, and four, had an opportunity. Maybe if one game goes your way, you make the playoffs. But I just want to kind of get your thoughts on 2016. Yeah, you know, there were uh, four or five, uh, seven four teams that got in the playoffs. Thought we should have got a chance, but, you know, we controlled our own destiny down the stretch. And uh, we wasn't able to get it done. And, you know, again, injuries kind of played a factor in it. You know, we also shaved early in the season. And Ronald Butler came in and did a phenomenal job uh, last year of guiding our football team and actually probably ended up, to, in my opinion, as the best quarterback in our conference uh, last year. And we lost Ebenezer Ogundego for the final four or five games of the season. Uh, fortunately, we'll get him back this year. But, uh, you know, when you lose impact players like that, it kind of puts a damper on the some of the things that you're doing, but I thought our coaches did a tremendous job last year of working with the pieces of the puzzle that we had when those guys went down, you know, guys stepped up and we were able to kind of uh, finish off the season strong, you know, at Southeast Missouri and Austin P there at the end of the season and pull out a 7-4 season out of a season that could have gone the other way once you lost your starting QB. So I'm really proud of our staff and our players from that standpoint of the job that we did last year. 
And before I go on in terms of talking about this season and some of the personnel, I mean, you know, we rank these recruiting classes and we've done it for, you know, in ex- or 10 years, I guess it's been now. But I mean, you know, it's an opinion. The bottom line is an opinion. But when I'm looking at the recruiting classes or when we're looking at the recruiting classes and particularly this year, it was clear to me that. Tennessee State had the best recruiting class. What is the secret to your success? Because not only since you've been a head coach, but even as an assistant coach, a lot of the success of the recruiting at Tennessee State was because of you. What is the secret to your success? You know, just hard work, man. You know, never say never say die. You know, we, we recruit a lot of guys that, you know, some of the mid-majors and some of the Power 5 kids our coaches are recruiting on. But we stay after it, you know, we, we, we stay busy all year long. And I tell my coaches all the time, if there's a day that you wake up and you're not recruiting or doing something football, that's a wasted day. Uh, you know, we, we feel like that every day something in recruiting can be done. So we try to make sure that we maintain relationship with families, uh, with the players, with the coaching staffs uh, at these different high schools. And, you know, we've done a really good job of putting on camps and clinics to get people to see our campus because that's the biggest thing is getting kids to the campus. You know, once a kid steps on Tennessee State's campus, you know, it, there's, it, there's a difference there in my opinion. And they see an indoor facility. They see a great weight room. You know, they see uh, Nissan Stadium and Hell Stadium, our two venues that we play in. So it's uh, – and, and the campus is very well manicured and, and things of that nature. So we, we try to do uh, what we can to get the kids involved with Tennessee State early on in the recruiting process. Excellent. So with that, I mean, we could talk about any number of the guys um, from that recruiting class that can kind of help come in and, and, and help you right. I mean, I think the, 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 sort of the maybe the, the jewel, at least from a transfer standpoint, has to be the kid quarterback Harris that uh, transferred in from Florida. Talk about, first of all, how you were able to get him. And then secondly, what he's going to mean for this offense in 2017 for the Tigers? Well, you know, we have a, a pretty good recruiting base down in the state of Florida. And uh, Coach Mayshack, my recruiting coordinator, is uh, Kevin Mayshack. He's from uh, the Miami area. And uh, we've had some kids out of Booker T before, David Van Dyke. You know, we got uh, Stephen Nubo last year. We got Mars Lugo and Al Malik Moore, a kid coming out of Miami Northwestern this year. But we had a relationship with uh, Ice Harris, well, Tim Ice Harris' dad. Uh, that was the head coach at Booker T and spent some time at UM. And, uh, you know, when it didn't work out at Florida, you know, they reached out to us and uh, we were definitely interested and we were able to get him up here on a visit, you know, during the season last year. And he really liked what he saw and thought that he could be a great contributor in what we were doing. And uh, we felt the same also. And, uh, you know, we got him up here. Yeah, no question about it. So, I mean, what does that mean? Does, does, is this Ackerman Carter, what, what does that kind of maybe mean for him? Does he have any more eligibility? Well, you know, O'Shea actually decided to transfer. Uh, you know, he felt like that, you know, and I think, you know, the injuries, he been, he played for two seasons and had two season-ending injuries, and he felt like a change of face would be good for him. And, uh, you know, we wished him well. I, I wanted him to stay, but, you know, he just felt like that he needed to move on to further his career, uh, you know, uh, athletically and personally. So uh, we gave him that opportunity to do so. So Michael Hughes will be the next guy stepping in. And then we have a young guy, Josh Trueheart, uh, out of Stratford High School here in Nashville. Uh, that'll be the third guy coming into the season next year. 
Yeah, True Hard, definitely one of your key recruits uh, in that recruiting class. Of course, Rod Reed, the head football coach at Tennessee State, he joins us here on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast show for today, Thursday, July the 13th. I mean, you know, uh, Treon Harris, he's got a, I mean, wow, he, I mean, in of himself, he's he's a is a did some really good things at Florida, but he's coming into a situation where he has Patrick Smith at the receiver. He's got Stephen Newbold and Chris Rowland as receivers. Wow, talk about how really special this offense could. At least on paper, it looks that way. But how special this offense could be in 2017? I think it could be a really explosive offense. You know, we've got a lot of guys on the offensive line coming back. You know, we did lose Jess Dunker and. Uh, Kevin Kenton, but, you know, Ty Allen was a guy that started half the time last year, and Jamal Jeffs was a true freshman that started the last four or five games at Garner Force. And then, uh, you know, Justin Brooks, LaChavia uh, uh, Simmons, all those guys up front or back. Uh, Chidi Okiki, kid that transferred in from LSU at a tackle, is back. So uh, we, we, we feel like that we fortified our offensive line pretty good. And Earl Harrison finished off the season really strong for us at running back. Him and Sabri Curtis out of, Sebring, out of, out of uh, the uh, Atlanta area uh, at running back. We, we feel like we got two really good jewels in them. And uh, Andrew Knotts at fullback, uh, tight end. You know, Mabel Medley came on strong last year. So we feel like we're pretty good and explosive on offense. I just need us to grow up a little bit on defense. Uh, Gary Fisher's coming in to take over on the defensive side of the ball as defensive coordinator, but we still have Chris Collins, you know, uh, Terrell Buns, the first cook. There's a lot of pieces, Ebenezer Ogundego, all those guys on the defensive side of the ball, Jeff, Justin North. So, and, and you know, the funny thing about it is, is we only have about uh, nine seniors next year. Wow, that is – that is phenomenal. So I'm, I'm, I want to give you a chance because I know, you know, when we talk from time to time and I mean, it, it, there's no doubt that, um, you know, your your kids and particularly Patrick Smith, but either Patrick Smith or, um, you know, Stephen Newbold could have been on our All-American team. And as you and I talk, I mean, sometimes it's just one of those deals where, I mean, you got some I mean, it's so, you know, in HBCU football, uh, the wide receiver position is so deep. But now let me give you the opportunity to really talk um, uh, about both uh, Newbold and Smith, but Smith being the older guy and how good these guys really are. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Patrick Smith is a, um, a power five talent, no question. Uh, he, he can play anywhere in the country at, at, on any team in the country. He, he's that special, and we got to figure out more ways uh, to get the ball in his hands. He ended up just short of 1,000 yards last year. I think that's, that's the number that most All-American people – look at but he had 13 touchdowns and he did so much more for us he's a holder for us on a field goal pat uh you know he, he just does so much for this football team and he's explosive he can play a little wildcat quarterback you know he can play in the slot he can play all three wide receiver positions he's going to be special a lot of nfl people have already taken notice of that kid and i think that he's one of the top receivers in the fcs uh, when you start looking at all of these rankings and things of that nature, but we don't we don't get into that. Uh, you know that's on paper, and like we tell them all the time, you know it's what counts, what you do between those lines, and what you put on film is what people are going to notice. Uh, so we feel Patrick is he's a tireless worker. I mean he's a kid that comes in every day and he's going to put the time in. He doesn't take a day off. Uh, you know his his motto is uh, you know winners train, losers complain. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah. I really like that motto from him. And uh, Stephen Newbold is following in his footsteps. You know, he sees Patrick working the way he works, and he puts in that work just as hard. And Chris Rowland, all those young guys are looking at Patrick. Everybody wants to be like Pat, and that's a good thing. 
So, uh, you know, when you got your best players uh, putting in the best work and working the hardest, you know, that's when you know uh, that you got some special players. Chris Collins is the same way on defense. You know, those guys are there every day. They didn't even go home. They were here every day working out in the month of May and June. And I think it's going to pay off for them. Nine starters returning on defense um, a little bit earlier. You mentioned Ebenezer uh, Ugandeko, and, I mean, he's back. Uh, you know, you lose Ezra Robinson, um, but, I mean, nine starters returns, uh, returning with Ebenezer is one of those guys. You Again, you mentioned Chris Collins. How, how special, you know, how, how special could this defense be in 2017? I think it'd be really special. You know, obviously, uh, you know, we had our issues last year defensively toward the end of the season. We started out uh, really good and, you know, some injuries took place. And then, you know, we got out of whack a little bit and kind of finished it up uh, a little better. But I think with the experience that we have coming back and Jason Morrow came back inside, he's got his way back up to around 290. Uh, you know, and those young guys that played last year, like Michael Perry and uh, Andrews Culpepper, and those guys up front, Dale Porter, all those guys returning, they're just going to be more to fortify the defensive front. And uh, everybody knows what Ebo can do. You know, he does. He makes Ebo plays, like I say. You know, he may not do a technique sound every time, all the time, but he's going to make that play that makes you say, wow, uh, two or three times a game. So, uh, you know, we expect those things from him, but we also expect to be a very disciplined defense. We expect to be much better in the secondary. But our main thing is stopping the run. And if you can stop the run and make teams throw the ball, you know, I always say, you know, uh, three things happen when you throw the ball, and two of them are bad. <laughs> so uh, we want to put people in bad situations, get them behind the chains, and be able to impose our will on them defensively. And I think that we have the personnel to do that. Yeah, there's no question about it. So uh, last two thoughts. Uh, Lane Clark, I mean, it, it's such a luxury to have a solid field goal kicker. You've got a really good one. I mean, this kid hit four field goals of 50-plus yards. He returns – uh, for you, talk about how uh, good it is to have a guy that you can rely on when maybe the offense is a little bit stagnant and um, you pretty much, I'm not going to say it's always going to be three points, but you feel good about being able to get at least three points. Well, I mean, anytime we cross the 35 yard line, you know, it depends on which way the wind's blowing. You, you're almost in Lane's range. If we get to the 30, we know there's uh, possible points there. So uh, it's great to have that luxury. And you want to you want to talk about another kid. This kid's from Hayes, Kansas. He hadn't missed a workout in May or June. And he's a, he's a tireless worker himself. And he goes out there and he works. I have to slow him down because he's a kicker. And he goes out there and runs with the wild outs and lifts. I mean, he's the most yoked up kicker you're probably going to ever see. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hard work, he takes it seriously. And I think, you know, he's rated pretty highly, uh, you know, by the NFL scouts as a kicker. So, uh, and that's kind of rare seeing uh, – you know, coming from our level at HBCU especially. But uh, he's done an extremely uh, good job. His coach, uh, Joe Davis, has done a good job working with him. And uh, I expect big things from Lane this year. Lastly, I, I know your what you and then Tennessee State as a whole has always tried to do is make sure, uh, even though you're in the OVC, you've always tried to play HBCUs. And typically it seems like it's been – the four games uh, this year, of course, you have Jackson State, Florida A&M now in the Tampa Classic, which is really good. Um, you're still playing those two, which is good. Talk about and and I don't I don't know. I guess maybe every now and again you've played in FBS, but Georgia State is now on the schedule. How did that come out? And and, and talk about opening the season in Atlanta against them. Not economics also. We knew that you know in order for us to keep up in recruiting and to be able to do some things that we want to do for our program. 
you know, you got to go get a money game every now and then. And, uh, you know, Georgia State is a, to me, it's a game uh, that puts us in a place where we recruit a lot. It puts us against a, a, a FBS opponent, a credible FBS opponent. Uh, and it also uh, allows our kids an opportunity to play in a brand new stadium down there. Uh, they're going to take an overturn of field. Uh, so we'll go down there and on, on the 31st of August and put forth our best effort. And I think if our kids play well and give us opportunity there at the end, we may have a shot at winning. The thing. So uh, we just got to, you know, get in camp. We got to focus up and do the right things. But you got to have that money game, uh, which allows us to get out and recruit the way that we we want to recruit and do some things in our program that we would like to do. So we also have Middle Tennessee coming up in uh, – they just announced that. We just announced that we're going to play them in uh, – 2019 and we have Vanderbilt again next year in 2018 I said lastly I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you as a Tennessee State graduate as one who's uh you know uh, uh has been around the program a very long time as a really a really good player matter of fact an all-american player matter of fact I saw a picture of of you from 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 back in the day I know you were a tackling machine right but what does it mean to you to you know I mean, what to all the things that Tennessee State has got to be very exciting. But what does it mean to you to be able to be the head of your alma mater and um, put your own stamp uh, in the likes of the great coaches uh, that have coached there, of course, at uh, at Tennessee State? Well, you know, it, it means a lot. You know, and I was, you know, and we haven't done anything here yet. We're working on uh, getting that conference championship, and I know we've been to the playoffs. You know, I think we've only had two losing seasons in our tenure. And that was the first couple of years, but it means the world to, to get us back as a credible. You know, when you look into preseason, and the preseason means nothing, but nationally you've been recognized as a top 25 team in the country and things of that nature. It makes you feel proud that you've been able to at least get our program back to that point. Now we want to continue that, uh, and our, our goal is to win first the conference championship, and then once you win that conference championship and get in the tournament, you know, uh, who knows what happens. And and that and that's our goal. And, and sometimes, you know, we feel like it goes a little underappreciated. Sometimes, you know, you hear things. And But I tell my coaches all the time, you know, you got to have thin skin. You know, we know what we're doing here. Uh, it's proven, you know, we're in our eighth season. I think that's the, one of the longest tenure staffs around here in a long time. So uh, we just got to keep doing things the right way, you know, keep God first and make sure uh, that we know where our source comes from and, and – continue to coach these kids the right way and continue to get them educated one and play top fl- fl- uh, flight football too. Wait, I'm sorry. I, I, I keep saying last, but listen, I mean the, the partnership. So you get a partnership. Was it, was it with Michigan or, or Tennessee state this year or, or, or Michigan state? Well, we actually uh, had two, we had, we did two, uh, two camps this year. And, uh, you know, uh, Michigan coaches as well as University of Tennessee coaches came in and worked our camps, uh, in, in, you know, with us. So uh, they worked our camps, and we were able to get a whole lot of kids on campus to see our campus. And, uh, you know, it's great for us. It's a great recruiting tool for us to be able to get uh, them to come and work our camp and, and get notoriety like that. And, you know, we had over 500 kids on campus for those camps, and that's 500 kids who probably wouldn't have ordinarily got an opportunity to see Tennessee State University and that we're really impressed by what we have on our campus. Wow. Eight seasons as the head football coach at Tennessee State. And once again, the Tigers are going to open the season on August the 31st, Thursday at Georgia State. And uh, Coach Reed, again, on short notice, I appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Tigers this season. 
All right, thanks. Go Big Blue. So that wraps it up for today's show. Tomorrow, we're going to take a look at the defending SWAC champions and the defending HBCU national champions, the Grambling State Tigers. So you won't want to miss that as we begin our look at the teams from the SWAC. And we'll see you tomorrow.